What's going on? Yerks here. Welcome to Yerks Talks on a Tuesday, January 12th to be precise. How we doing? Hope everybody had a solid start to their week. Yesterday, it was good. I uh, had a good Monday. Got the episode out, which was fantastic. Uh, if you haven't listened to that yet, just go on go on, on Spotify or wherever to go see that. Uh, but yeah, we got a little bit of everything today. We're going to talk about the uh, college football game last night. Go a little bit on that. Just how crazy Alabama is. They're just so much better than everybody else. And I don't know how you fix it. I have no idea. The way it's structured right now, I don't know what you'd have to do. I mean, but it's just the college football ranking that they do, it shouldn't even matter. It should just, I mean, sure, you can rank Clemson and Ohio State if you want because they're very good. But um, we saw just the, the difference in class last night. So I'll go into that game a little bit. We'll talk some baseball. I haven't talked about that for a little bit. A couple stories I wanted to mention there. And then to end it off, we'll talk some NFL uh, two stories I want to talk about there. Uh, what the hell is going on in Philly and uh, Deshaun Watson. So we'll end the episode talking about those two things. Hey, you can follow me on uh, Twitter if you want. You definitely should. Add John Yerks for that. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Yerks Talks. You can also follow on Spotify to know when the episodes come out and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's talk college football, which we don't do ever. But uh, I wanted to touch on this game. Obviously, uh, you know the big college championship. So let's let's get into it. So Alabama, if you didn't watch, they stomped. I don't blame you. They stomped Ohio State, fifty-two to twenty-four. Nick Saban, now head coach for Alabama, has not has the most titles all time by head coach in the uh, AP era. He got his seventh title last night i mean it's just no contest they're so good and they're so much better than everybody else and i mean it's just like the culture that he's established there it's always like the you know next man up wait for your turn you know you have guys that are on that team that don't get their shot until maybe their junior or senior year and they just stick it out because you know you're playing for such a prestigious program that they just and nick saban that you know they they're in there for the long haul so yeah, just remarkable what he's been able to do at Alabama. It's insane. Um, it didn't help that Ohio State, they lost their star running back, Trey Sermon, on the first play of the game. This And it was, I was concerned that it was going to be a really awful injury. He basically got crunched between two linebackers, just carried the ball for two yards. He had to leave the game. Ended up having to go to the hospital after. Looked like he was grabbing his collarbone and shoulder at the time. It was deemed a um, upper body injury. Uh, today, he flew back because he didn't he didn't fly back with the team he, last night. Um, I believe his mother tweeted something out saying that uh, it was not as serious as they thought it was going to be. So that's good because he'll most likely declare for the draft this year. Uh, yeah, the Buckeyes just couldn't. They hung in there for a little bit. You know, they tried, but at the end of the day, I mean, Alabama was just going to blow the game wide open, and they eventually did. It was crazy watching it, though, because it happened in the blink of an eye, where, you know, it's 21-7, Alabama's leading, up four. You know, and if if you had put your head down for a second, or, I don't know, went to get some water, went to the bathroom, you came back, and it's like, oh, shit, they're up 35-17 at half. It's like, what the hell happened? So it was crazy. 
Um, Justin Fields for the Buckeyes. He, uh, it's tough because Alabama is just so much better than everybody else. I mean, you're essentially playing. It's like you're playing like a, a full team of seniors in high school, and like Ohio State just has a bunch of freshmen. And that 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 was like the level. Of, I mean, they're bigger, faster, stronger at the college level, which is insane. Uh, so Fields, I don't know. He did what he could with his star running back going out first play of the game. Tough to come back from. Seventeen of thirty-three for 194 yards and a touchdown pass. Uh, so yeah, completed just over 50, 52% of his passes. Uh, he ran the ball a couple times for 67 yards. So it's good. I don't think it hurt his, uh, his stock too much for the upcoming draft this year. I imagine he'll be the second quarterback off the board. Um, not really much. <laughs> there's not really much else to talk about on the Ohio state side of things. Uh, they really could not do a lot. Uh, just really struggled uh, in that second quarter and in the second half. Only put up seven points in that second half. Yeah, it was just rough all night. For Alabama, though, we got to talk about a certain Heisman winning wide receiver, Devontae Smith. If he had not gotten injured in the third quarter, I believe he, uh, I don't know, if he hurt his finger. I don't know what happened there. It got jammed on um, a defender, and so he sat the rest of the game. But, I mean... God, this kid is good. And we already have insane receivers from Alabama in the NFL right now. Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, who's been growing and might be the better receiver now that Julio Jones is getting a little bit older. He can't seem to stay healthy on Atlanta. So Calvin Ridley, I think, might be their number one option now. Jerry Judy, the rookie who came out, along with Henry Ruggs, another rookie. Uh, They both flashed on their teams, Ruggs on the Raiders, and then uh, Jerry Judy on the Broncos, who um, I expect him to pop off next year. I think he's going to have an outstanding sophomore season. Uh, but yeah, and then I also um, I also looked up Cam Sims for Washington. He played last weekend. He had a couple of nice passes in his uh, third year. He looks like he could be uh, promising as well. So yeah, you got this other stud to the mix who last night, 12 receptions for 215 yards and three tutties, all in the first half, by the way. Just disgusting. Uh, he's so good. So, so good. Uh, it was Yeah, it's insane. I mean, this game was over. Like I said, it was close for a little bit, and then Alabama just showed their class, and it was just roll tied every, everywhere. It was insane. The last thing I want to talk about in this game, though, is the quarterback for Alabama, uh, Mac Jones. So he was great last night. Obviously, you know, you're on Alabama. Uh they dominated this game. Uh, three, th- you have Devontae Smith, 36 of 45 for 464 yards and five touchdowns. He's going to get drafted if he declares. I believe he I believe he is a junior. So he he might declare for the draft. I believe that he will. Um, I just he'll, he might get drafted first, second round, maybe be like the, I don't know, like fifth, sixth quarterback off the board, something like that, maybe even further down. I just don't think he did anything special last night. That's the point I want to make. I mean, you have the best offensive line in the country, probably the best or one of the best defensive lines in the country. You have a great running back in Najee Harris, who was outstanding, 160 total yards for him to go along with his three touchdowns. So, yeah, it was great. Uh, You have the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, who we just talked about. Uh, He had a great season, 4,500 yards passing, 
41 touchdowns and only four interceptions, which is great. I just don't. I, I there just needs to be some context, right? It's not like he's doing this for you know a no name school. He's doing it for Al frickin' Bama, like f- clearing away the best team in the country with a great head coach. So yes, I mean he's he still has to go out there and make the passes and make the plays and things like that. But he he's not on the level of a you know Tua who got drafted from Alabama last year. You can compare their numbers. Like Tua was outstanding from the get go. Whereas uh, Mac Jones, like his freshman year, you know, he barely got on the field. Sophomore year, when Tua was injured, so last season, he was out there and competed. This year, obviously, you had the explosion, right? Another year under the belt, third season at Alabama. It makes sense. Uh, but he's not Trevor Lawrence, okay? Like, I want to make the distinction. Like, they're not, they're not that close. Like, Trevor Lawrence has been outstanding since the beginning. And so Mac Jones, I think, is good enough. So, you know, maybe deserve a shot in the NFL, but we just need to, like, temper our expectations a little bit. Uh, I, I think he's one of the guys that gets drafted this year. And this goes for not just quarterback, for but for several guys where where you get drafted matters, but it just it exponentially matters more for the quarterback position. Case in point, uh, Patrick Mahomes versus, like, Sam Darnold. If maybe they swap right. Uh, who knows how good Mahomes would be if he had not? Because people forget he sat behind Alex Smith for basically the entire season. You go into the system with Andy Reid, like that's a stab- I mean, that helps tremendously. Whereas Sam Darnold comes in and he basically just has nothing around him and he has to be the guy. So, you know, a lot. It matters so much, especially if you can't on your own carry a franchise, which I don't think Mac Jones can do. I think that he is not talented enough to carry a disorganized franchise, right? I talked about this with Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. As much as I love Dak, say he went to like maybe Indy, like the Colts, I think he'd be great in Indy because he's more athletic than Rivers. I think that he can make more plays in that way. But like he's more dynamic than Rivers is what I should say. Everybody's more athletic than Rivers. He's a baby draft out there. But he's more dynamic than Rivers. So I think that'd be a good addition for the Colts. But he might cost too much. Whereas, you know, at the Cowboys right now, because you have the Jerry Jones situation, to, like where he just wants his hands and everything, and he doesn't always make the best moves from like a GM standpoint, from like a financial or economical standpoint, you need that, you need like special at quarterback. You need like a Patrick Mahomes or a... Josh Allen now, or, you know, like an Aaron Rodgers type guy. Like that's what you need to overcome the dysfunction. Mac Jones does not have that like special talent in my opinion. So I think he could still be a good guy if he goes to like a really, you know, solid organization, like really like, you know, from the ground up, they're great, but he just does not have that talent to, to get like, to, to triumph over that like dysfunction. Overall, though, I mean, we didn't. I mean, this is what we thought was going to happen last night. Uh, again, I don't think Justin Fields has nothing to worry about. I mean, it's a tough ask going up against Alabama, and I think he held his own for a while. But I think they just they just got defeated. Being down thirty five to seventeen and a half, they there was just no coming back. They just did not have like the will. Like, the game was over, especially seeing that one of their captains go down on the first play of the game. That's rough, it really is. All right, let's shift to baseball. 
which that's that's weird, right? We're not even at spring training yet, but but things are happening. Obviously, we got the Padres making moves, but a couple other teams are not, you know, just letting things, letting them do everything. So uh, Liam Hendricks, who was the relief pitcher for the A's, he is now packing his bags and moving to Chicago. He agreed to a three-year, $54 million deal with the White Sox. He's now the highest-paid reliever in baseball, and he was fantastic last year. 14 saves and 15 opportunities, a 1.78 ERA, 37 strikeouts, only two walks in 25 and one-thirds innings pitch. He was also great in the playoffs if you didn't see him. Uh, he uh, was on short rest for a few of his outings, had to get more than the uh, you know typical three-out save in some occasions maybe five, if not seven outs. So, yeah, he was incredible. Uh, right now, there's been a lot of people saying that the White Sox are the team to beat in the American League, not because of this signing, but just because the other teams aren't doing anything. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, teams not wanting to spend during the pandemic because, you know, there's you don't know what's going to happen in 2021, right? Like you don't know like how quickly you're going to be able to get like the money back, obviously for not, for not being able to have fans in the stadium and whatnot, but the Padres don't care and neither do the White Sox who have already um, now with the signing of Hendricks uh, adds another addition. They, they brought in uh pitcher Lance Lynn for the rotation from the Rangers. And so they got, they got some, uh, some pieces coming in now. I expect them to also make another move before, uh, the start of the season. Uh, speaking of the rotation, now you, you have Lucas Giolito, who was great in the playoffs last year. Uh, you bring in Lance Lynn along with Dallas Keuchel. That's a great starting three. Got, uh, that's a great, like, three. Yeah, I guess, starting three, I guess, is correct to say there. But, yeah, a solid one, two, three for your rotation. Obviously, Hendricks helps the back end. Uh, you know, you got a lockdown closer. And, uh, you know, offensively, we got the American League MVP and Jose Abreu, your first baseman. Tim Anderson, your shortstop, he could have won the award very easily as well. Uh, a couple other guys I like on the roster too. But I expect them to sign maybe one more guy for their infield. If not, um, their outfield, get another guy. Um, a name that's been circling around a lot is Andrew Benatendi. Uh, he's currently on the Red Sox, but he had a very down year. And it looks like the Red Sox aren't going to try to um, try to you know give him another chance. He's still really young. I believe he's only 26, and he was fantastic a few years ago. One of the guys that um, was pivotal to their World Series success. So I expect a lot of teams to take a chance on him, and so Chicago could add him as well. Uh, he deserves another shot. I'm surprised that um, the that they the Red Sox haven't been more aggressive in trying to keep him. But maybe that ship has sailed, and so maybe a new um, new change of scenery is what's best for Ben Attendee. But, uh, yeah, I'd look for a lot of teams to go in for him. And if, if something gets announced for him, I will definitely mention it in future episodes. But, yeah, look out for the White Sox uh, in the American League. Uh, they got in last year. They kind of remind me of the Spurs in the NBA. Uh, not the Spurs now. They kind of stink. But back in the day when he had Tim A, like Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu and all those players when they would just took care of business. And that's kind of what the White Sox do now is like they got in the playoffs last year and people were like, Oh, like the White Sox are good. Uh, yeah, they are good. And you should be looking out for them come this season. Another team that is on the rise, uh, the New York Mets. And they had the deal of, um, 
another great deal, like a big headline deal last week. They traded for uh, shortstop Francisco Lindor and the start and starting pitcher Carlos Carrasco from the Indians in exchange for their shortstop Andres Jimenez, an infielder Ahmed Rosario, and then two prospects: outfielder Isaiah Green and pitcher Josh, Josh Wolf. Wolf is the was the ninth ranked prospect in the Mets farm system, and Green was the tenth. Cleveland's got a plan. It might not look like they have a plan, but they have a plan. Uh, you know, in the past 18 months, it seems like they're kind of, you know, maybe like going towards a rebuild, but I guarantee that they will be competitive this year. Uh, but yeah, you look at some of the names they've traded away in these past 18 months. So Trevor Bauer, who won the Cy Young this year, Mike Clevenger for the Potters, who unfortunately, you know, Tommy John, we'll see you next year. Sunshine, don't worry about it. Corey Kluber, who was good. And then now you get rid of Lindor, who, you know, I thought would be, you know, a franchise player for Cleveland, but, you know, they, they, they didn't think so. And then Carlos Carrasco. So, yeah, a lot of big-name guys that can all have an impact that were all on Cleveland are there no longer. So, yeah, but the, for the Mets, I love it. I, this makes a ton of sense, and you add another pitcher to your already nasty rotation. Uh, so, you know, Jacob deGrom, who – is always a shoot is always in in position to win the Cy Young in the National League. You have Marcus Stroman, who got traded from the from the Blue Jays, and now he looked good with the Mets last season. Now you add Carrasco in there. And then of course people forget about Thor, Noah Syndergaard, who didn't pitch last year due to having Tommy John surgery. I mean, yeah, you know, and then you got a couple of young talent long young talent on offense. Obviously Pete Alonzo. Uh, a couple other guys as well. So, yeah, I mean, the Mets are making moves. The Sox are making moves. We know the Padres made moves. Uh, it's been a very slow off season. I think that we could have fireworks. Oh, a side note, uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, former Cub, he signed with the Nationals on a, a one-year $10 million deal, which is absurd. I don't know how he made $10 million. Good for you. Um, I don't know where he's I, – I, I guess they're going to put him out in left field. Because, uh, you know, no DH in the American League. Or no, in the National League, excuse me. That was, ugh. Yeah, no DH in the National League, and they're not going to change that rule. Um, All the rules that happened last year, so obviously we had more teams in the postseason. We had a universal DH. We also had that ridiculous uh, extra inning rule in the regular season where a runner started on second. I mean, that was just so dumb. So all of those rules are no, are gone. And the plan is to have a full 162-game season. So, uh, no DH in the National League. So, I'm assuming that they're going to throw Schwarber out there in left field and just see what happens. I mean, the Nationals are very good. Um, but, yeah, that seems like a lot of money for Schwarber. But, uh, I don't know. Good. I mean, I think I, it might be a, he, it might be a fine addition. I don't know. He was kind of, he was, he's been kind of shite these past few years in Chicago. But we shall see. I hope just more deals happen. I like more big name stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously being a Padres fan, that has been fantastic to see. But I just hope we get other big name guys. You know, uh, DJ LeMayu for the Yankees. He's still the Yankees are have been playing uh, mind like I don't know if I'd call them mind games, but they're they're kind of being jerks. <laughs> That's the nicest way I could put it. Uh, with LeMayu. Or they're not signing him to a long-term deal, so he could still be on the market. Trevor Bauer, 
hasn't signed anywhere yet. So still a lot of big names out there. Uh, so yeah, look for some, we're getting closer to spring training. So look for some, uh, you know, big stories to come out soon. And then I will cover them. Of course, that's going to do it for baseball to, for this episode though, let's end today's podcast talking about some football and more specifically, uh, some quarterback stuff. I don't know how to start this. I, because I want to, part of me wants to just go on a rant about Doug Peterson. And the other part of me wants to just talk about like the Carson Wentz stuff. So maybe we'll do like a combination of both. So uh, first things first, I will say, I love when I have a take or when I say something, I don't know, maybe like the friends or like the family about like sports and it ends up being correct. So this weekend, I think I did a pretty good job um, previewing the games and talking about what could happen. I think I did. I think I was pretty spot on on several things. Um, this take with Philly, I feel like I nailed. Where I was uh, several weeks ago, I went on a rant about Doug Peterson and the Carson Wentz situation and how if it was me, I would fire Doug Peterson. And turns out that's what that's what they did. So that's like a win for me, and I will take it. So like, cameo, like that's pretty exciting. But let's get into it here. So. The Eagles yesterday, they fired their head coach, Doug Peterson. Like I said, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, their owner, Jeffrey Lurie, he came out, and uh, this is he's, he's one of the great owners. He's, he's a really good guy. Um, he's owned the team for over 25 years now. He's put them in, a, in position to win a Super Bowl, and they finally did get that done. Uh, but F- Peterson, in his five seasons, had a 46-39-1 record. Just not good, man. Uh Lurie, though, the owner said he came out um, with a report and he was saying that Doug Peterson wanted to focus on winning in 2021, but uh, they wanted a guy that was more focused on the long-term situation. So he's gone. The bottom line here, Peterson needed to go. I mean, these past three years have been abysmal. And the four games he won this year, oh, I mean, you talk about the quarterbacks that he faced in those four games. So First win came against the Niners, and that was Nick Mullins and his egregious. He was awful in that one where he threw that pick six right to the defender. Ugh. And then his next win, the second win came against the Giants and Daniel Jones. Now, I believe in Daniel Jones, but that was early in the season. No Saquon Barkley. They were still figuring out how to play without him. The defense was still improving, right? So that, you know, they struggled in that one. They almost lost that game, too. The Eagles did. Only won by a point. Then they had the Cowboys next week, and they didn't have Dak, and they were still figuring things out. Andy Dalton got obliterated, so they had to play Ben DiNucci. And so, yeah, he's a bum. And then their last win came against the Saints, where the defense dominated for Philly, and they played Taysom Hill, who's not a quarterback. So, yeah, not not looking great. I mean, that, I mean, that was like the cream of the crop there, you know, obviously, at quarterback position. Uh, yeah, no. Those guys all stink, except Daniel Jones, who I think just needs more pieces around him. Then, of course, we have the Week 17 shenanigans that I didn't really that I didn't talk about. Uh, last week, obviously, we only had the one episode Friday, and I apologize for that, but there was some other stuff going on behind the scenes that I took care of. We're back at it. We're doing it Monday through Friday now. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, you had that Week 17 against Washington where Jalen Hurts is having a great game. You know, not, not statistically great, but he was grinding, he was competing, and he was finding ways to, you know, 
keep it, the Philly in the game and they're, you know, compete like, and they're probably going to go on to win that game. And then Peterson decides that now in week 17, when you have a chance to, you know, end the season on a high, right. It might not matter to the fans or, you know, the coaching staff or things, you know, maybe the, the owners and people upstairs, but to the players, it's, you know, a good way to end the season end on, you know, like a, a quote unquote high note. Right, all the time and effort that you put in week in, week out, uh, you know, in in training, and then especially considering the circumstances with COVID, you want you want to win at the end of the year, right? Like you want something to carry into the next uh, next season, you know, end on a high note. But instead of that, Doug Peterson's like, nah, screw that. I'm gonna bench Jalen Hurts in late in the game, and I'm gonna bring in my third string quarterback, Nate Studfield. Because I want to see how he looks. I'm, you know, we're playing for the future. We got decisions to make. Uh, it's just awful. It's just so horrendous. So I just want to clarify, though, my issue with that was it's not like the integrity of the game. Okay, people have tanked for games, like tanked for players all the time. That's not that's not what it is. By the way, them losing this game, they go from like if they had won, they go from the ninth pick. Whereas, like, now they're losing, they go to the sixth pick in the draft. So, yeah, not a huge difference. Like, okay, like, I understand if you're tanking for, like, maybe the number one pick in the draft. But for going from nine from nine to six, I mean, give me a break. And Giants fans out there that are upset, right? You had a lot of players tweeting about, like, oh, man, this is just – this is irresponsible behavior. Like, rabble, 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 like, on their soapboxes. You won six games, okay? So, like – Give me a break. You have you don't have a horse in this race, all right? Like, for you to be upset that the Eagles didn't go all out and you would have stuck into the playoffs with six wins, I mean, I don't, like, I give two shits. Like, I don't, like, I don't care, Giants. Like, go 500, and then we can talk about you being upset that the Eagles, like, tanked a game, right? My The problem I had with him doing this was, like, what, what does that tell your young quarterback? You know, like, what does that tell your your players? That, like, one of the reasons, I mean, it doesn't really matter anymore because he got fired, but one of the reasons why, like, I hated Doug Peterson is, like, because he wasn't doing his, his franchise quarterback any favors, Carson Wentz. I mean, what a slap to the face. You pay Carson Wentz a ridiculous amount of money, right? And then you go out there and you draft a rookie quarterback, and then, like, you've been, you know, and then you're in interviews not defending him. And then you eventually bench him for the rookie. And then, and then, like, that's it. And then you don't, like, you don't say anything else. Obviously, Wentz is heated, and you do nothing to, like, remedy that. It's terrible. It was horrendous how he handled that situation. When I pay a guy, like, if I'm ownership, and I pay a guy an absurd amount of money, and then my head coach says, like, I can't work with this guy. Or, like, I don't want to work with this guy. Or doesn't try everything in his power to make that relationship work. Yeah, he's got to go. And then, you know, not only, like, people were saying, like, because Jalen Hurts came in and they were winning some games, they are thinking, like, maybe they'll retain Peterson. But then for Peterson to go out there and be like, okay, Jalen Hurts, I believe in you. But then at the same time to be like, no, nah, I don't trust you. Get out of here. Like, take take a bit, take a win. Because I, I guarantee that if Hurts stays in that game, the Eagles win that game and th- that's what happens. So to take that victory away from my young rookie quarterback, who's, you know, still like that was his what fourth or fifth game in the NFL to take a W away from him. I mean, that's, it's brutal. So yeah, he had to go. 
and I'm glad that they got rid of him. But oh my goodness, man, he'll get he he will get a job somewhere else because he's won a Super Bowl. And I wouldn't be shocked if it happened like maybe at the end of this week or maybe next, at least by the end of the month. Like he will go somewhere because I think that he is a good. I think you know he's a good offensive mind. I think that like he'll definitely get another chance. Maybe not as a head coach right away, but I expect him to get another coaching gig sometime down some some way down the road. But yeah, it just had to happen. And I, I don't I just don't get it. I don't I don't I don't get like what his thought process was in that week 17 game. I don't get like how why he thought drafting a rookie quarterback would do wonders to Carson Wentz's team. Like Green Bay did a similar thing with Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers is a veteran. He's a lot older than these younger guys, so it's like why he like he handled it a lot better. You know, he's he's playing great. It's like yeah. I've been calling it his farewell tour all season. So, yeah, I just don't get why he did this. Now, let's quickly talk about Carson Wentz, though, because the Eagles are not out of the woods yet because they still have this massive contract with Carson Wentz. And I don't know how... I I, I don't know what's best for them. I've already given my two cents, which is I still believe in Carson Wentz. I think he can be your franchise quarterback. But I don't know if the firing of Doug Peterson is enough for him to like come back from that. I think maybe it's time for his own change of scenery. And so maybe that's the route you go. But just to give you a couple of like um like numbers about the situation. So Carson Wentz is a $34.5 million cap hit next year, even if they trade him. So that's just like money, poof, gone. If you cut him like before June first, it's a sixty million dollar like it's sixty million dollars in dead money, just poof gone. If you trade Wentz, the team that's inheriting him, it probably works out to about because the Eagles have already paid a lot of money to him up front. So if you trade Wentz, you obviously you still have a cap hit, you're still going to have loss, but the team that inherits him, it'd be about a four year. $100 million deal, something like that, which isn't awful. It's still a lot, be, uh, you know, it's still a lot considering how he played as well. I mean, like Wentz stock is not very high right now. Like it's, it's like, you're like, like abandoned ship, like pack the car, food and water. Like let's get the hell out of this Carson Wentz stock. Still though, if you think that you can be the guy that can get him back on track, that can, you know, get him to where he used to be, which by the way, was like um, MVP of the NFL, um, you know, winning like, like winning Super Bowl kind of caliber level. Right. Although he didn't, you know, although Nick Foles was the guy that, you know, won the game. That's, <laughs> that's like the funniest part of that, the situation too. the freaking outside of century link, which is where the Eagles play. You have this freaking statue that was dedicated by Bud Light. of. <laughs> Of Nick Foles and Doug Peterson and like the Philly Philly, right on the sideline, they were calling that. And then, you know, obviously that was like the, one of the biggest plays of the game. So now you have that statue up front of your stadium and neither of those guys are on the team. <laughs> oh, Philly. It's so funny. So, yeah, if you think that you can fix Carson Wentz, um, four year, $100 million, I mean, there are worse deals you could make. Obviously, it's still a ton of money. And obviously, he's coming off his worst season ever. 
So I don't, I mean, you, do you take the risk? Maybe if you think that he can be the guy, obviously there's one team that a lot of people have talked about. And that comes to mind. That is of course the Indianapolis Colts because Frank Reich, who's their head coach was the former offensive coordinator for the Eagles. And that's when Wentz was firing all cylinders and he was fantastic and he was lighting up the league. So it could happen. Um, a lot of people think that that's what's going to happen with Carson Wentz if the Eagles don't don't decide to keep him. Uh, they are retaining their GM Howie Roseman. So and he was and he hasn't done a great job these past few years either, uh, particularly in the wide receiver department where he has not drafted. He's drafted essentially bums there. Like you have Archega Whiteside who has been a who's been a bust out of Stanford. Jalen Rager had has shown flashes. But compared to the other rookies this year, he's not been great. Uh, just to give you an example of guys that – I've talked about this a lot too. Um, you know who the Vikings took after the Eagles? Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, the Eagles had a chance to draft Justin Jefferson, and they didn't. And, uh, yeah, Jefferson just broke the uh, receiving yard record for rookie – for I believe rookie wide receivers, and then also – uh, Randy Moss's record with Minnesota. So, yeah, swing and a miss there. And it's going to be interesting what the Eagles do with Carson Wentz. I, it's tough because the based on the way Jalen Hurts played, I don't know if you can just sit him down. I, I like. I think Eagles fans, if, if Wentz was terrible again, they would riot. So I don't know. I don't know what you do there. But the bottom line here should be like, don't. Don't screw with your quarterback. Like, don't piss your, like, starting quarterback off. Like, don't do it. They're not all like Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, like I said, he's a lot older than these guys. And, you know, he's yeah, he's been in the league for several years. So he can, like, deal with this, you know, he can deal with the rookie quarterback getting drafted in. Like, it's disrespectful, right, obviously. But these guys are young. They don't know how to handle it yet, you know. And let's transition now to Houston. Who once again, like, don't piss off your quarterback. And this is why in Houston with Deshaun Watson, like, what are you guys doing? This is going to be probably the biggest story all offseason in the NFL is like what Deshaun Watson's going to do. And there was no reason for it to be. It's because, like, for some reason, they just wanted to have chaos. They just wanted to have term turmoil. There are so many times, and I talked, and I, I've said this a lot when, like, watching football games where coaches will make awful decisions on the field, whether it's like, I mean, that happened this weekend too, where, you know, whether it's like going for two or maybe going for it on fourth down or kicking, or like kicking a field goal, things like that, or like, you know, calling a timeout um, to, you know, save time during a drive and whatnot. There's so many decisions that are not managed correctly. And it drives me in, it drives me insane and blows my mind. And this is another example of this where, I don't know how you let this happen. I really don't. I don't. I don't get it at all. I don't know why you feel like this is the this was the right approach to take. So, for those of you that don't know, Sean Watson is not a happy camper in Houston. He's pissed off. Uh, you know, it was a disgusting season for the Texans. It was brutal. They went four and twelve. They had a tough schedule, uh, but they, there were some winnable games as well that they had. Uh, the, the two against the Colts come to mind, where they they lost them on turnovers on their last drive and then they could have had go-ahead scores. They fired their head coach slash GM, Bill O'Brien, 
who did a number on this team. Uh, he had the he was you know part of the DeAndre Hopkins trade that basically screwed over like <laughs> that screwed over their own team. Uh, the, the Arizona gets him for practically nothing, and they get rid of that David Johnson contract that was expensive. And Houston's like, oh yeah, we'll we'll take that contract on. And by the way, they didn't tell Deshaun Watson that was happening, so there's a tick. Uh, they have uh, no first and second round picks this year uh, because they. Bill O'Brien decided. Now, I don't know if this is wrong because Laramie Tunsil is a great player, but he decided to trade the 2021 first and second round pick uh, plus some players for left tackle Laramie Tunsil, who is good. He's probably one of the best, one of the better left tackles in the league. And wide receiver Kenny Stills, who is no longer with the team, and he hasn't really, he didn't really do much in Houston. Gave up a lot. This year's draft for Houston, they have eight picks. That's it. They have eight. They have one pick in round three, two in round four. They have, they got one of those from Arizona. Thank you so much for Arizona. Oh, my God. For DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, yeah, of course. They have one pick in round five, three in round six, and one in round seven. That's it. To give you an idea of how, you know, like, draft picks work or, like, you know, what's the, what's the importance of them? Obviously, your first round and second round picks, really good. Your third round picks. Those guys normally have an impact. They're pretty solid. And sometimes you get gems, case in point. Uh, well, not case in point, but um, like you normally like normally still really, really solid players. Um, your round four picks, normally still pretty good. Round five picks, that's when you're starting to get like, okay, we're taking a chance on some guys. Or, you know, you have your positions that aren't as important, right? So like your tight ends, things like that. For example, George Kittle, fifth round pick. And so that was obviously one that hit the we hit the lottery there. Um, you round six, round seven, guys. Again, you're taking a shot, but a lot of these guys do not do not they don't end up making the team in some cases. So half of the Texans draft this year is round five or later. So yeah, not what you're looking for. Um, really not good. Um, again, those are your like maybe you get like a hidden gem there. You find guys that can compete. So this year, a guy that came to mind, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver from Michigan uh, for the Browns. He's had an impact uh, this season for them. And then another, and obviously the most famous late-round guy is, of course, the GOAT, Tom Brady, who was drafted in the sixth round in 2000. And, I mean, obviously you can't have anything to touch on him. I apologize if you hear the dog barking. Um, But, yeah, you're in trouble here. So what you need to do is find that head coach GM partnership that I always talk about. You need the yin and the yang, right? But more importantly, if you're Houston and if you're the owner, uh, Cal McNair, you need to make sure that you have your franchise quarterback involved because this guy's outstanding. Despite all of the nonsense that happened in Houston this year, Sean Watson was great. He led the league in passing yards with four, a little over 4,800. He completed 70% of his passes, 33 touchdowns, only seven picks. In his four-year career, he's at 68%, like he has a 68% completion rate, 104 touchdowns, only 36 interceptions. You just signed him to a four-year, $156 million deal. You need to make sure that these new GM, this is the new GM and head coach, get along with Deshaun Watson. Like, it's so important. That relationship has to be sound. You have to, you know, you just saw what happened with the Eagles 
Carson Wentz, not a good relationship. So you don't want to screw that up. So it blew me away. <laughs> Literally, I was stunned by this. To find out that not only did Cal McNair, the owner, not tell Deshaun Watson that they hired their new GM, Nick Cassero, uh, who was the, um, he, came, he comes from New England. He was the Patriots director of player personnel. Not only do you not tell Deshaun Watson this, that you're doing this, but apparently you paid for a search firm to help you with your new GM and head coach position, and you ignored their recommendation. You spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a search firm to help you out during this process because we got to get it right. It's really important. And so not only do we not take their advice, but we also don't tell our franchise quarterback after telling him to his face that he was going to be involved in this process to hire a new GM and head coach. He was going to be, you know, pivotal to it. We completely don't we like we we completely disrespect him and hire a GM without telling him. Icing on the cake, Deshaun Watson made recommendations, like gave like recommendations of guys to hire, including a certain uh, offensive coordinator in Kansas City. I don't know if you've heard of him, Eric Bieniemy, uh, who by the way is already interviewed for I believe four or five teams now. Deshaun Watson gave a recommendation like was advocating for tech for the Texans to bring him in to interview for the head coaching position. They don't interview him. They don't even give him an interview. Uh, they've remedied. They've since remedied that they have now today. They came out and said that they're requested to interview the enemy for the head coach position, but the damage might already be done, man. Like he's pissed. Deshaun Watson's pissed off and he has every right to be. I mean, you can, you basically just slapped him in the face. Like, you, you, you put a knife in his back, whatever metaphor you want to use. I mean, it's absurd that you let this happen. And I don't understand at all. I don't get why you thought this was a solid idea. Now you even have ex-players tweeting about this. So Andre Johnson, who was, I believe, in 2017, got his number retired. Great wide receiver. One of the best, not the best wide receiver when he was playing football. He was outstanding. And he's 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 not known for he's not very active on social media. So he comes out and tweets this today. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in slash for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic. And then you had DeAndre Hopkins echo this, like basically re retweeted this, saying like ditto, like yeah, that's exactly what's going on right now. Now, I did some digging on Jack Esterby because I don't know who the hell he is. So, yeah, let's talk about him for a second, shall we? So, he was hired in 2019, in April, to be the vice president of teen development. Uh, so, and where was he before that? Uh, New England. Where was the uh, new GM for Texans? Uh, where was he from? Nick Casario? What team did he uh, have a job for before that? The Patriots. Oh. You see what's going on here? <laughs> I uh, something, something doesn't smell right here. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Jack Easterby was hired as the VP of team development in April of 2019. Before, he was with New England, and he was essentially a character coach there. So, he was, like a, he, he was in charge of player development, basically. So, you know, kind of like a similar role with Houston now, right? So shortly after he gets hired, 
he's um, and there was an article on Sports Illustrated that I read, and it was really good. But shortly after he gets hired, uh, the Texans GM at the time, Brian Gain, who uh, was brought on in 2018, so he's been there for a little over a year. Shortly after Easterby gets hired in June of 2019, they fire Brian Gain and they try, they try to go, they try to interview Nick Casario for the Patriots. And so now uh, at the time, the NFL deemed this as like kind of collusion and tampering. So they didn't allow it to go through. There was also a contract. Uh, Casario was still under contract in New England, so they couldn't make it happen. So flash forward now, and they finally get that deal across the line, which for me, like, okay, like red flags here. Like what, what the hell is going on? Uh, but so they couldn't do it last year. So instead what happens is in, instead of finding finding a new GM, they promote both. They promote uh, Bill O'Brien. They make him head coach slash GM. And they also, they also promote Jack Esterby from VP of team development. Get this from VP of team development. They promote him from that position to VP of, of football operations. What the hell? How do you go from player development to now I'm running the show? I, I don't get it. So yeah, I this guy to me, I, I, like I have bad vibes all over this. So this guy to me seems like he's extremely power hungry. I think he, um, he I think, I don't know. I don't want to put him in like a terrible light, but this, like I, I have like, I just have really bad, like, I got red flags going up all over the place. I don't like this at all. So it seems like he's, like, very friendly with the owner, Cal McNair. They get along. And then there's also been talks in the article I read where uh, he was he was one of the, one of the main guys that advocated for uh, them to trade DeAndre Hopkins. So Bill O'Brien took the brunt of that. But this Jack Esterby guy also was very vocal in the locker room that's saying like, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy. So he didn't want them in the air either. And he was probably one of the main guys that orchestrated that trade along with Bill O'Brien. So yeah, I don't like that either. You get rid of one of the best uh, wide receivers in the league. And then you don't tell your star quarterback that you're doing so. And then it happens again, where you you're trying to get this GM that they've wanted for now over like almost two years. And then you don't tell your star quarterback again. So yeah, I don't like this. He seems like very player are very, excuse me, power hungry. Now he's surrounded by people that are very, that like think like him, they're like-minded. And so, yeah, I, I, if I'm Deshaun Watson here, I'm seeing all this happen, right? I think he's on vacation right now after that, you know, after the season, I think I, I try to get out. I really do. I think that that's, if I'm Deshaun Watson, that's the move I try to make. Now there was already a report from ESPN that he was interested in maybe moving to the Dolphins which would be outstanding. And you're thinking maybe like, um, like, you know, maybe the Texans get Tua and a bunch of picks in return. And so that could be interesting. But if Deshaun Watson opts, like requests a trade, every team that needs a quarterback or that thinks that they might need a franchise quarterback, right. will be trying to get him. every team, like every single, cause he is that good. I've already gone over his numbers here. Like he, Sean Watson, the top five quarterback in the league. It's, I mean, and I'll debate people about that. He's that good. He's insane. 
And so, yeah, th- like Houston seems like they're it's gonna be it's gonna turn into a black hole here, real quick. Um, so I mean, I'm nothing against Nick Casario or Jack Easterby. I just like I'm calling it how I see it. I'm not gonna try to like tiptoe around things. Like I, I this seems like a guy that's like very like has gotten a taste of power and wants more. And so instead of getting a GM that would you know cater to your franchise quarterback's needs, he's getting a guy in there that he can trust or maybe like you know, partner with or move around in order to like, um, keep his job secure. Like he wants, he wants his hands in everything instead of doing what's best for the organization. So yeah, I got red flags about this and I, and I love watching Deshaun Watson play and I feel bad for the players that are already there in this like terrible situation that really have nothing over nothing. They don't have enough power to do something about it. Deshaun Watson has enough power to do something about it. He has leverage. And I think he should take advantage of that and force a move from Houston. Part of me wants him, like, to... <laughs> there's also been, like, some uh, reports I've seen where it's like, oh, could the Niners, perhaps? And so, like, I'd be excited about that. Like, come on, Niners. But um, I still trust Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way. That's not a shot at Jimmy G, but, like, it's Deshaun Watson at the end of the day. Like, of course you do that. So, yeah, we'll see what happens here. But definitely, like, I, it blows me away that, like, they allowed this to happen. You like I don't know how you could like it just seems so like shady to me. That's my biggest issue. It like it seems shady from the owner, Cal McNair, and then of course Jack Esterby. It just seems extremely like corrupt and like just uh, like snake snake in the grass stuff I, that I really don't like. I don't know how at one point you could look like your franchise quarterback in the face and say like, hey. We're going to have you be an intricate, intricate part of this hiring process for our new GM and head coach. And then at the same time, have a knife behind your back and then proceed to stab him as he's walking out of the room and hire and hire a guy that you've looks like been planning to hire for now almost two years and then not tell your quarterback about it. And then not even interview guys that he recommended to you until after the fact when he's already upset. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting offseason. Um, the world's going to revolve around what Deshaun Watson decides to do. Last year was like kind of the Dak Prescott. This year is going to be Deshaun Watson. So, and then also we don't know if Dallas is going to sign Dak Prescott again. So it's going to be a lot of quarterback news as always. It's the most important position in the NFL. And so I will keep you up to date with what's going on there. Once again, if I'm Deshaun Watson, get out, dude, get out, do it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode though. I feel like it went pretty well. It went a little bit longer than I wanted to. Again, when it's not like the weekend episodes or like the Fridays or the Mondays, I want to keep it between like 30, 45 minutes. We're about like 51, 52, so it's a little bit long. But I kind of went on a rant with Philly and with Houston. God, we'll see what happens there. I'm excited. I just wanted to be like draft season again. We're almost there. We're almost there. There's like this lull in between when the Super Bowl is over, so like early February till when baseball starts, and that's like the worst period of the year like for people who love sports so we're not there yet thank god but yeah it's 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 coming and so i'm like fearful of that anyways though let's get out of here um thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed it feel free to share with friends families co-workers all of those people have a great rest of your tuesday go watch some sports and i'll see you in the next one